Welcome back to another Cybersecurity Minute, a podcast production put on by Black Talent Security to keep you and your business cyber safe. Here are your hosts, Gary Salmon and Kelsey Currents. Welcome back for part two of best practices for managing your cybersecurity and managing your overall practice. With me, I have, of course, Gary Salmon, CEO of Black Talent Security, as well as Terry Bradley, CEO of Terry Bradley Consulting, specializing in improving efficiencies, increasing your bottom line, and maximizing reimbursement for oral surgery practices nationwide. Thank you both for coming back. Great to see your faces and hear your voices. Uh, during part one, we talked a lot about tightening, tightening up um, and controlling things that you can control. Uh, part two, I think we're going to focus on the people part of your practice, which in some ways is the part that you cannot control, um, but that you do have some influence over. And obviously, you know, the people part of any business is my favorite part. So I'm very much looking forward to this one. Uh, Terry, I'm going to hand the ball over to you and kind of let you talk about the people aspect of running a successful OMS practice. Uh, but any business owners, please listen to this because these uh, concepts are universal across the board um, and people are, are arguably the most important aspect of your business. So Terry, thank you so much. Welcome back and let's let's hear it. Great. Thanks, Kelsey. Thanks for having me. Gary, nice to see you again. Absolutely. Yes, so last time we talked a little bit about the revenue cycle. Um, this time I really want to focus on the people in your practice. Your human resources is the biggest resource that you have and the biggest asset that your practice has. Um, sometimes they get forgotten, other times they are celebrated. So wherever you fall in this, just, just listen along and, and we'll kind of get there. So one of the um, things I really wanna talk about is your team. First step would be how do you, how do you attract and retain good talent? So those are two different concepts. How do we attract them? Um, we, gosh, it's tough right now. It's it's a tough market out there right now with trying to get staff and I hear everyone complaining about it. I really think it's it goes to being authentic about who you are and being authentic about the culture that your practice is. Be honest about the position and be honest about what you're willing to offer these, these employees. I would consider thinking a little bit outside the box right now, rather than everyone having to show up, maybe from eight to five, maybe there's some flexibility in there for a little bit of a job share or something like that. I think that's really key right now. We have to think differently because um, our old ways are gone. Once you have them, really the biggest thing I can say is invest in your team. Invest in your team, not only financially for how you're paying them, but invest in their abilities, invest in them by training, let them, let them go to courses, let them work with mentors, coaches, um, meetings, whatever it is, the more that you invest in your team, you will get that back time and time and time again. And I'm sure Gary, you've seen a lot of this with training teams that I know you do a lot of training for teams on in your world. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we do it internally at Black Talent. Right? It's, it's important to always keep people up to date with the latest trends in security and threats. 
compliance, you know, et cetera. I think that's critical. But externally, you know, we, we've trained about 13,000 people in the, in the healthcare and business space on the various types of threats that present in email, searching for information, um, et cetera. And one of the things that I hear from so many doctors and business owners is this. They say, you know, my staff always worries about these things and they never really knew what to do. But now that they feel trained, they or now that they are trained, they feel empowered right? and they can make good decisions because the reality is most employees know the ramifications of a cyber attack. They see it on the news. They, they've been a victim themselves. They know others that have been victimized by these types of attacks. So they don't have the proper training and they're just clicking on things and then the practice is shut down for two weeks. That's that's a heavy burden for someone to to have to lift, knowing that, hey, we just stopped patient care for two weeks because of something I did and cost this practice $100,000 or more. But so training is critical. And I think for from just from a business perspective, allowing people to grow with your business, with your practice is so important. Agreed. It's easy to say, hey, you want a couple more dollars for you know a bonus? Okay, that feels good. But when you really empower people and you give them the tools, the technology they need to be successful, that's worth its weight in gold. You know? I agree. I I work with so many clients and so many practices. I go in and the the maybe the person at the front desk who I'm working with knows the steps to take for what they need to do to maybe register a patient, talk about a treatment plan, but they don't understand the whys behind it and how what they're doing impacts the rest of the business. And when you give people the why, why they're doing what they're doing, light bulbs go off for people. And maybe they may have a different way and a different approach. And as long as I, I always say to all my clients, as long as we're all clear in what the vision and the goal is, and we know what the end result needs to look like, really doesn't matter what road you're taking. As long as it's a safe road, as long as it's with integrity and we're doing it correctly, it doesn't matter the shortcuts and the way people need to do to get there. The other thing I'm going to say about training is generationally, there's a huge difference in how people accept information and give information. I am more of the textbook generation where everything had to be written down and you followed it from a book. Um, a lot of the staff in our offices now are more of the YouTube generation. So when you're creating training tools in your office, you really need to think about how your staff receives information and what method that they use to learn. And you have to offer it in different ways. So I'm a big proponent of creating your own internal, you know, screenshots and captures and videos of how you want a patient greeted. We all have this, we all have these tools available to us. Use them to help train your team and use that to create your own um, SOP, standard operating procedures. That is That will be the go-to for someone to go back to, like, how do we do this? Why are we doing this? We can't just write this manual. I mean, I know if you gave me, as much as I love to read, if you gave me a binder that was four inches thick about this is how the front desk works, I'd be snoozing. I'd be skipping over things by page three. It would just be too much. And people put all this effort into it. So just like, you know, how we do, how do we work the front desk? Just like you mentioned, Gary, with cybersecurity, once it's trained, it needs to be a policy that is implemented. And when things change, it needs to be adjusted. 
Otherwise, we're working on something that was true maybe a year ago and isn't true today. And you must see that too all the time. All the time. You know, I, I see a couple areas that practices consistently fail. One is um, following through with the training. So, for instance, we'll onboard clients and all 15 team members will go through all the training, all the compliance, et cetera. Two months later, a new employee is brought on, no training, right? There, there, was no, there was no SOP put in place that as part of an onboarding process, the, the new employee must do X, Y, and Z, right? They have to do their sexual harassment training, their OSHA training, their HIPAA, their cybersecurity. They're like, oh, we're really busy. I don't know if we have time to get to this or they just have completely forgotten about it, which is more likely the case. So one of the things we've been doing is constantly reminding our clients, hey, if you have new employees, don't forget they need to be trained because in almost any type of uh, compliance situation, OSHA, right, HIPAA, cyber, um, all it takes is one person, right? Mm -hmm. That one person, right, out of the 12 or 15 staff members that makes a mistake or there's a, an issue, and the practice is going to suffer. Obviously, that employee can suffer as well. Um, so these, this concept of having SOPs for a lot of the things that you do, I think is so important. But they have to be followed. And you know what another problem is, Terry, and you've probably seen this many times, is enforcement. Mm -hmm. Right? Here's the book. You know, Mary, I know you just got hired. Go through the book. Right? Over a period of time. She violates the policies. Other people in the practice violate policies. Nothing is done about it, right? A blind eye is, is basically turned. And that impacts the entire organization. And then, you know, it also impacts his culture, right? Now you have a cultural problem within the practice where you know how it works. Oh, if Mary doesn't have to do it and she didn't get reprimanded, then I don't care either. I'm not doing it. The doctor doesn't care, you know, and then you kind of have this, this culture of negativity, which... I would argue, you know, no one wants who who wants to be in a negative, you know, environment. Um, but that's little things like that where people feel like, oh, I had to do this. Why doesn't the new person have to do it? Mm -hmm. It's just not fair. Um, so having SOPs, updating the SOPs, enforcing them, and then reviewing them, you know, almost on a yearly basis. There are certain things that need to be reviewed because of new laws, new regulations, new protocols. Um, and often that once again, that just becomes a book that sits on the shelf and six years from now someone will pull it off the shelf and be like wow uh this doesn't even apply to us anymore but no one reviewed it no, no one reviewed it i agree i think uh, you know cybersecurity or even how we maybe answer the telephone or how we do scheduling no matter what you're doing in your office it needs to be continually continually reviewed is this still making sense for us is this still the way we want it and you have to have I'm not saying buy-in from the whole staff. I mean, the doctor, if this is what the doctor wants and this is what we're going to do, but there has to be a conversation, a, a true conversation, not a directive about, this is what my vision is, how can we make this work? So if there are things that maybe the doctor is not aware about that would not make that schedule work, you can have that conversation because maybe he or she didn't even know that, that was an issue. Um, Again, going back to accountability, right now, I think so many offices are feeling stressed because everyone is short-staffed. 
Just because you're short staffed does not mean you should be letting people get away with things they shouldn't be letting, you know, shouldn't be happening because we want to go back to retaining our good employees, retaining the people we trained, retaining the people that we said, this is the way we do things. This is our vision. And when we start to let our good people down, that's when they leave. And that's not something we want to do. So it's, it's accountability across the board. Yes, we can sit there and complain and say, we are short-staffed. So let's look at what we're doing. And is there something that maybe we can take, maybe this isn't a priority right now while we're working through this busyness. We're not going to put it totally on the shelf, filed away. We're just going to put it on the back burner for a little bit. And then we follow it up at our next staff meeting. Communication is key all the time for all of this. Yep. And I, and I think also another important part of these policies and procedures, et cetera, are seeking out individuals like yourself that understand these things, right? And and can help implement them uh, with, within these practices, no different than kind of what we do. You know, we've had situations where, you know, doctors have said to us, oh, I really see the value in what you guys do. I think I need this. And they then go back to their IT vendor and the IT company's like, oh, I'll, I'll figure out how to do the same thing that these folks are doing. You don't, you don't need to sign up with Black Talent. But as a specialist in OMS, I would argue you understand the importance of specialization, right? Bringing companies like yourself, bringing companies like us to help these practices succeed um, and, and be provided with information from people who specialize in this, right? Not a, quote, exactly. unquote, a generalist. And I also see that as, as a mistake with, with many of these practices, even before I was doing the cybersecurity thing, you know, I'd, I'd walk into practices and it, I, I always use this analogy. I would have customers, uh, two OMS practices in the same town, and one is thriving, right? And, and you know, has a majority of the referrals from that community, and the other one is struggling. You have to ask yourself, why, why is that happening, right? What's, what's kind of the root cause of that? Is it, you know, their team? Is it the doctor? Is it the way they manage? Is it the way they market? Probably all of that, right? And bringing, right? And bringing someone in that, that can actually help guide and, and, uh, advise a practice on how to be successful or secure. I think it's so important. I agree. You know, I think um, in when you're in a practice, especially if you've been there for a bit, you may be there three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, sometimes these, these staff members I work with, what they know is what they do. They know their practice and they know the way that they do things. And if they don't ever lift up their heads and look around, if they don't network with other offices, they're still doing things the same old way that maybe don't don't apply anymore. I've been look, I've been in the oral surgery arena now for gosh, going on 38 years now. Every week when I go to visit a client, I learn something new. I learn because you just pick up all of these things and no one has all the answers, but collectively we get pretty close. So I love to share with my other clients, oh, I've seen this work here because we're, we're all having the same issues. We're all doing the same thing just in different places. So it's really being able to bring in, um, bring in an expert like you is bringing like really this whole group of people in to really put the best eyes on a practice. And that's what, that's what we do as well. It's all of these years of experience. It's all of these people I work with. That's who comes with me to a client. And I'm sure that's who goes with you when you go to a client too. It's all of that we've learned, all the connections that we have. Absolutely. It's, it's so important to be successful. I think one of the very first business lessons I ever learned from a, a neighbor of mine who was a successful entrepreneur was this, 
surround yourself with um, highly professional, highly talented people and specialists, right? So they'll they'll help you be successful. You can have a vision, you can have a dream, you can be the best surgeon in the world, right? But you got to surround yourselves with people who are going to make you successful. And I've always I've always believed in that. And um, living and growing up in the oral surgery community, uh, I've also known that most doctors do not like change, and most of us do not like change, and that's hard, you know. But at some point, you have to self-reflect and say to yourself, you know what, uh, I'm struggling here. I need help. Yeah, I agree. That's tough. I, change is not easy for for a lot of people. I don't think change is easy for any of us. Um, but doing what we did to get us here is not going to get us where we need to go and where we want to go. And we have to remember that you have to go outside your comfort zone to reach that next goal. And the world around you is changing and we have to change with it. Even if you think about our relation, any office's relationship with Delta Dental alone has changed in the past 10 years. And if you didn't change along with it, you're going to be left behind. Speaking of change and speaking of vision, just one thing I'm going to say before we go. You know, we, we, we talked a lot about fixing this and correcting this. Take some time within your practice and celebrate the wins. Celebrate the team. Celebrate the success that you have had because it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what everyone out there is creating. And I celebrate all of you all the time and celebrate that you have a, a Gary to call on to, to help you through some of these hiccups, pretty big hiccups, I'm sure, at times to get through, but thank goodness he's here because I'm thankful for you and your services every day, Gary. Oh, thank you, Terry. I know you do a great job for the OMS community too. So as always, it's uh, amazing to talk with you. Thank you so much. And uh, hope to catch up with you on maybe a third podcast in the near future. There we go. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you both. Have a great day.